So we do have a bit of a late start here. Hello and welcome to the walk-off. I'm Scott Belford, normally joined by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack, but he is struggling today. He is not feeling well, was up most of the night, and uh, rather than cancel the episode, I figured we'd try and go solo. We just had so much happen in the last day and a half that I think it uh, is almost mandatory to try and do something here. So bear with me as this is the first time that I've done a full length episode by myself, but we're going to get it done. A couple of things to uh, touch on just off the top. We were going to talk to Brian Frank last night. Now he is the head reporter and analyst for the Herd Chronicle, which is where you would go to get all of your Buffalo Bison content. He is a know-it-all when it comes to the AAA affiliate for the Toronto Blue Jays. So we were going to touch base with him. It didn't work out, but we are still going to talk to him next week. We'll find out everything Buffalo Bisons from him. We were also going to talk with second baseman, third baseman, and playing some outfield for the Bisons AAA uh, affiliate there, Davis Schneider friend of the show. We had him on when he was a Fisher cat. Now that he is a bison, we're having him back. He is a guy to keep your eyes on too. a dude who can play multiple positions, a right-handed bat and is showing some power in Buffalo. So we will check in with him next week. Okay, folks, lots to get to today. We're going to delve into this race series. We've got three studs and a dud. Now, normally Adam is the guy doing the three studs and a dud, obviously being under the weather. I have taken the lead on that. John Schneider. Oh boy. Everybody's talking about him. Has he lost the room? I don't think so, but we'll delve into it and see where uh, the possibilities land there. Alec Manoa, we're talking him every five days. The man has struggled, and I think he might be at the end of his rope. We'll see what happens, but we'll delve into some of the options there. Danny Jansen, he had a groin strain. We're not sure if he's hitting the IL. They're kind of riding it out day to day. We'll take a look at what it looks like if he does, who his replacements could possibly be, and then we'll finish things up with looking at the upcoming week. Of course, the Blue Jays in Minnesota tonight to take on the Twins. So before we get into this, I did have something I wanted to read you folks. The grounds crew, because this was pretty exciting last night. Yesterday morning, I should say, when I got it. Uh, Of course, Mark Shapiro, president of the Blue Jays, joined us about 10 days ago on the podcast. We're hitting way above our weight on that one, obviously. And so what I did was I messaged James Click. Of course, he was the general manager of the Houston Astros in uh, 2022 when they won the World Series. And then he joined the Blue Jays organization over the offseason. As a special assistant, he kind of analyzes data, and he's there for that sort of thing. Now, he also profiles if Ross Atkins is let go at the end of this season because the Jays don't succeed like they should. He does profile as a very good replacement in-house for that general manager position. So anyways, James Click, I messaged him to come on the podcast. This was his response. He says, Scott, thanks for reaching out. First off, I want to say thank you. 
I listened to quite a bit of your podcast as I was coming on board with the Jays. What? <laughs> James Click listening to the pod? He says, I was trying to get caught up on everything Blue Jays and your podcast was a big help getting to know the org, its history, and most importantly, its people. With regards to the podcast, I truly appreciate the invitation, but I'm going to keep my focus on things internally with the Jays for the time being. Thanks again for the podcast, both for me personally and for being fans of the team. It's great to see how much the entire country cares about the Jays. Best James Click. What? Come on, guys. He's a grounds crew member. I'm blowing it out of proportion here. He's probably seen a couple episodes, but still pretty darn cool that the 2022 World Series champion has been watching the podcast. Okay, that's the positive side. Now let's get into the negative side, which is pretty much everything Blue Jays. Uh, they won one game out of that Tampa Bay Rays series going one for three. Uh there's really quite a bit to unpack here. This team completely buckled during their run against AL East teams. And that's the truth. When the chips were down and the games mattered the most, this team did not show up. They are six for 16 against division rivals. And the worst part is a lot of these games were winnable games. These were losses that were caused by mental lapses, mistakes by players, mistakes by coaches. It was truly a team effort, this skid that they are on. Um, they couldn't get it done is the big thing here. And I mean, listen, they called the players-only meeting, which raised a bunch of red flags. Obviously, there is trouble in paradise if they start calling players-only meetings. But that said, I think it is important to keep a few things about this meeting in mind, okay? Number one, we don't know what was said. So all this speculation that there is a mutiny on the hand of John Schneider, that is all, like I said, speculation. We don't know. But it is far, far more likely in my opinion, than a mutiny than it is an opportunity for the guys to speak candidly amongst themselves without the coaching staff there to kind of air any grievances they may have. And you, when you look at the likes of Belt and Chapman and Springer, these are veterans who have been through the ringer, right? They have seen the low of the low. They've gone through stretches like this that can absolutely kill a team's season. So I think they're just trying to right the ship and get everyone feeling better about themselves, right? Getting anything off their chest, they had to get off their chest. Number two, they had three player-only meetings last year. So this isn't like the first time we've seen the group of guys get together and air their grievances. Uh, they struggled for extended periods of time last year, right? I was at that, that series in Seattle, the four-game series where they got swept which was probably the Jays' lowest point of last season. Remember, they were three games above 500 at that point. The next game they did win and then fired Charlie Montoyo uh, just before the All-Star break. And number three, players-only meetings happen in every sport. It doesn't necessarily mean there's animosity towards the coach. All of that said, gang, I think it is possible that John Schneider has lost the room. I don't think he has, but there is that possibility. 
In fact, that's why Charlie Montoya was fired last year. They feel that he lost the room there. Um, so we are going to get into John Schneider. Everything I just said can be ignored if he has lost the room, by the way. So not a very good series against Tampa Bay at the Trop. A lot of folks expected this. The Trop just seems to be the Blue Jays' Achilles heel since pretty much the Rays' inception almost. <laughs> And it didn't wind up pretty once again. So we're gonna we're gonna go to three studs and a dud before we get right into the whole John Schneider stuff. Honorable mention in the the three studs and a dud to George Springer, who hit seven hits in seventeen at bats over the last week, hitting four hundred and eleven. Not too shabby. A little tip of the hat to Brandon Belt as well, who continues to have good at bats, take his walks and walks and get his hits. But they did not make the list. We're going to start at stud number three, which is going to go to a gentleman who probably could have had this a few times. He's having himself an incredibly quiet but successful season. Tim Meza is stud number three. He's had four appearances in the last week, three and two-thirds innings, zero hits, zero walks. And... Lowered his whip, walks, hits, innings, pitch to 1.05. So he is almost giving up no walks and no hits this season. And a very good week there. Now, listen, obviously, when you only win one game in a week, you kind of got to hunt for the studs. So that's why Timmy Meza gets in there on three appearances. Stud two. And this is no surprise. This guy has made our list almost every single week he at least the one week he missed out he was an honorable mention Bo Bichette in at stud number two 10 hits and 23 ABs four of those were doubles he has a couple of stolen bases he continues to lead the league in hits and the American League in batting average with a 326 BA that's pretty impressive really and he's fourth in all of baseball with his batting average. And then stud number one. Hey, someone's actually doing what they should do. A big tip of the hat to Jose Barrios, who has had two excellent outings. He pitched 13 and two-thirds innings, almost seven complete innings in both of those games. He's allowed four earned runs in those almost 14 innings. He's only walked three batters. He has 13 strikeouts and he probably looks the best that he has looked all season long. You could even argue that he's looking the best he has in a season and a half almost. And then to the dud, the dud goes to uh, drum roll. John Schneider. John Schneider has made numerous mistakes over the last week as the manager of this team, and you can tell that he has upset some of his players. I don't know if the dissent is quite as bad as maybe it is being framed, but there are definitely some frustrated players with him in that clubhouse. John Schneider is our next topic, so we're just going to roll right into that, kind of making it the dud into John Schneider. Uh, John Schneider. I feel like, okay, so let's start with this. For those of you who haven't seen the replacements, there is a scene in the replacements where Keanu Reeves plays Falco, okay? And basically the replacements, the, the National Football League is having a strike. 
they bring in the scabs and, and Falco played by Keanu Reeves is one of those guys. Right. And so there's a scene where they're all sitting around the dressing room and they're talking about their greatest fears and Keanu Reeves brings up quicksand and they're all like, Oh yeah, quicksand scary. And he's like, no, I don't mean legitimate quicksand. Basically. I mean, you're in a little over your head or you feel you're in over your head and then you make a move and it's the wrong move. And then you make another move and it's uh, once again, the wrong move. And next thing you know, you feel like you're sinking and you're sinking further and further and you can't get out. That's his greatest fear. I bring that up because this reminds me a little bit of where John Schneider is at right now. It feels at times like he's overmanaging, like he's overthinking things, like he's making moves, trying to outsmart the game of baseball. And he really seems to be in a funk. In the last couple of weeks, he has been floundering. And I'm not saying he, this, I'm not saying this lost streak is on him by any ways. Like, like this last, what is it, 11 games of garbage we've watched? is not all on on John Schneider, but there are some things worth bringing up. In the last 10 days, he has forgotten that Pete Walker had visited the mound when he went out to check on Manoa and then was forced by the umpire to make a pitching change in the sixth. And Manoa was pissed. John Boy did a breakdown, a video of this. And honestly... You could see the words coming out of his mouth. Like he did the lip read thing and it was pretty much Manoa mouthing. That's the dumbest effing move I've ever seen. He was pissed in the dugout. Even when John Schneider went up and apologized to him, he didn't look at him. He was mad and rightfully so. He probably should have kept that to himself knowing John Boy Media is out there lip reading all the time, but he definitely uh, made it obvious he was pissed with John Schneider. Yesterday, Schneid's made a few really questionable moves, including not putting Springer and Whit Merrifield into the game, and I understand load management. Everybody needs a day off, especially George Springer with his injury history, and they have done a great job of keeping him on the field so far, but in game four of a series where it felt like you needed the, the, the final win there to get the split. He went with Ernie Clemente and, and Nathan Luke or Ernie Clemente and Nathan Lucas were in the, in the lineup. It was just a weird choice. Then he pinch hit for VAR show. Uh, sorry. Ernie Clement wasn't in, it was Nathan Luke's. Anyways, you guys know the lineup that was put out. It was a weird lineup yesterday. Arnie Clement came in to pinch hit for Varsho, who was hitting second, which was also weird for a guy who's struggling to be put in that high pressure situation. Then you look at his usage of Jimmy Garcia. It's been absolutely abysmal. Listen, Jimmy Garcia is much better when he's not pitched on back-to-back -back days. He has been struggling. It was weird to see him go to, to Jimmy yesterday in the game as the team started to come back. And the one thing the Rays always get touted for and complimented for is their ability to get the best out of a player by putting them in the best situations, and that is one thing that John Schneider has not done. Now, listen, John Schneider has not done... Uh, great bullpen stuff. Lots of lots of managers struggle with that, or at least 
They get called out for it. Fan bases are constantly mad at the manager. It is an easy scapegoat. In the press conference yesterday, when John Schneider mentioned that they were doing a players-only meeting, it seemed to really rub Matt Chapman the wrong way when after the meeting, he comes out and the medium is asking about it. Media is asking him about it. He His response was basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically was like, I don't even know how you guys found out about that. A little bit of a, what is John doing here? Bringing up our drama, bringing up our baggage here to the media. And then he said, I'd rather keep that within the clubhouse. Of course he would, right? So again, I really don't think John Schneider is on the hot seat and I don't think he's lost the room, but there is reasons to believe that the club is getting a little frustrated with him. Some of these veterans seem to be not as warm to him as maybe they were in the past. Again, again, going back to the players only meeting, we don't know what was said. We don't know how it went down. We know nothing. So this is all speculation. So I think it's it's better to err on the side of like there's nothing going on. But let's say there is. If John Schneider lost the room, there's a few things to keep in mind here. Number two, the reason Charlie Montoya was supposedly fired is because he lost the room. So if these guys are, you know, if, if, if two managers in a row are losing the room, is that on the players? And that's a very good question to ask, right? Is 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 the dynamic amongst these players, are they not listening to authority or is it, was it bad choices right from the beginning? Charlie Montoya, of course, brought in to foster this youth and the rebuild. And he kind of did what he did. And I think he did an admirable job, especially for the team where they were at the time. And then they brought in John Schneider, a guy who had been with all of these guys right from the beginning, right? A lot of the core won that, that, double a championship with the new hampshire fisher cats but if these veterans have had enough with him and they don't think he's doing it right then john schneider's done i honestly believe there is no way john schneider gets fired and if he does it means he lost the room and that bodes really badly on ross atkins right the bucks gotta stop somewhere so after you lose two managers in less than a year, the buck is stopping at Ross. And if this team isn't a playoff team, if this team doesn't at least go to the division series, in my opinion, I think Mr. Atkins is out of a job by the end of the season here because it looks so badly on the organization to fire John Schneider. But if he has lost the room, there's no other options. And then Ross has got to cross his fingers and hope that this team comes back and actually makes a push as contenders like they should. Okay. We're going to move on here. And uh, it is weird doing this show without Adam. It's funny how um, his perspective is just so perfect for the show. And so this is where he would step in with stats and stuff like that on John Schneider or his comments. So we all... The grounds crew and myself included here, Adam, I know that he's going to, uh, he literally hit record and he's probably by a bucket right now. But as he edits this later in the day to get this out, uh, I just want to tip my hat to him for for troopering it through and getting this out. And uh, just that we already miss you, Mr. Mac. So hopefully everything is uh, 
good and well, and he's back at it Sunday for a long toss. Alec Manoa, we're going to get into it here. I truly believe after watching his last outing, and I know I'm not alone, there's a lot of people who are kind of starting to come around to this idea, and that is that the Toronto Blue Jays organization needs to get him right. They need to get him back to believing in himself, and they need to get him comfortable on that mound again, something that it has been obvious he is not comfortable with. He continues to pull his slider. He's not hitting his spots. If you want Alec Manoa sent down to AAA, and I think I do at this point, we need to come to terms with the fact there are not options for the guys to bring up. So basically any guy who's going to take Alec Manoa's spot is going to be detrimental to this team and is going to rely on the offense to bail them out of some tough situations. Currently in AAA, Zach Thompson, of course, the Blue Jays traded Chavez Young to the Pirates for him over the offseason. He's in AAA and he's sitting at a 6.75 ERA across nine starts. He is on the 40-man roster, so he's an option. Casey Lawrence, of course, we saw him a few times last year. He's sitting with a 5.29 ERA across 10 starts. He is not on the 40-man roster. So they would need to not only put him on the 40-man, but they'd need to send somebody down. Uh, Drew Hutchison, also an option. He's sitting at a 5.7 ERA across eight starts, also not on the 40-man roster. There's not a lot of depth in AAA. Bowden Francis did just come back and make his return to AAA last night. He has been struggling with an arm injury. He went four innings pitch, two hits, zero walks, one, uh, sorry, zero earned runs, one walk, 7K. He had a fastball with a 41% curveball of 57, not too shabby. The fastball also touched 97 miles an hour. Alec Manoa leads all starters in Major League Baseball with the most walks per nine. 6.7 walks per nine. Again, he is just not hitting his spots. The man is struggling. And what we need to just realize as fans is that it might take a month of him being in AAA and a month of us watching them trot out Casey Lawrence to get him right. Listen, this is a team that is viewed as a contender. I still think that they are a playoff team despite this god-awful stretch that they have just gone through. They need Alec Wright. They're going to have to tough it out. I don't think there's any other options at this point. It just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to do what he has to do at the big league level, which is make some adjustments. And my God, I guess if anyone knew the and there, they'd be working for the Blue Jays and Alec would already be all right. But it is looking like they're going to need to give him an opportunity in AAA to get back to the pitcher he was. Would love to hear your thoughts. Put them in the comments. Again, it's not ideal, and they are probably most likely underdogs anytime that a Casey Lawrence or a Zach Thompson comes to the mound. But the truth is, they are with Manoa right now anyways. 
So maybe if we can get Manoa, like that's the thing, right? Zach Thompson, Casey Lawrence, they are what they are. We've seen what Alec Manoa can be. And I think it's very important to put the time in now as we sit here, May 26th, to try and get the man right. Okay, moving on here to Danny Jansen. Jano finally seemed like he was coming around at the plate. He hit a couple of dingers. He's been taking the ball the other way in true Danny Jansen fashion. He's had a couple doubles down that third baseline. He has looked good. And of course, groin tightness had him removed from the game on Thursday, which is a real bummer. Uh, there hasn't really been an update on the IL yet. So they obviously are hoping that they can get him right without putting him onto that injured list. And we'll see what happens with today's game. We'll see what the Blue Jays do. Are they going to announce that Danny's on the 15-day IL? And if so, what are the options? Well, I'll tell you what, they're not very good. They're not terrible. I'm not putting down guys like Rob Brantley or Stevie Berman, but they're definitely no Danny Jansen. Those are two, the two big options here. Okay, Rob Brantley, we saw him in the spring. He's kicked around the major leagues. He's a veteran. He'll have no problems calling games for this pitching staff. I think Rob Brantley is probably the most likely to get the call up if they do need a guy. Stevie Berman is also an option. Uh, the Blue Jays signed him as a free agent April 14th, you might remember, as depth, and, and now they might need to use it. So fingers crossed that Danny is okay we don't know for sure what's going to happen here. Looks like Alejandro Kirk could very well be taking the bulk of the games as the catcher behind the plate. Dalton Varsho has the ability to catch. He caught some games with the Arizona Diamondbacks last year. The Blue Jays have made it pretty apparent that that is not a road that they want to go down. They want him to be the full-time outfielder. However, his ability to catch does allow them to probably push this decision down the road a day or two and see how Danny is doing. Because if something happens behind the plate, they do have the option of maybe moving Varsho out of the outfield, putting him behind the plate, moving Whit Merrifield to the outfield and going about going about business that way. So we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. Danny's all right. Knock on all the woods, uh, all the wood, that bad tacos. He is not dealing with. Okay, folks. I know this has been a little bit of a short one here, but we do really appreciate you following along. I, I especially appreciate it. Uh, rolling solo a little trickier than I had anticipated. So uh, again, a tip of the hat to Mr. Mac for being such a great co-host normally. And Adam has done some full length episodes by himself, which is also impressive. He actually did an hour once and I just don't know how he freaking did it. So good on, good on Adam. We're going to get to the upcoming week here before we close this thing up. Uh, the Blue Jays are in Minnesota. Now they're playing the Twins. The Twins are the number one team in the AL Central. Doesn't mean much. They're only two games above 500. They're literally sitting with almost the exact same record as the Blue Jays. The Jays are 25 and 24. 26 and 24 is the Minnesota Twins record. Kevin Gosman, our ace, our stopper, is 
taking the mound, a 3.14 ERA. He has been phenomenal for the most part of this season. And all we got to cross our fingers and do is hope that the offense wakes up because they have not supported this man runs wise all season long. And it would be really nice to see them do so, especially if he pitches another gem like he's been doing. Louis Varland is taking the mound for the Twins. He's got a 4.18 ERA. Game starts an hour later than normal. It's on Central Time. So that's going to be an 8 p.m. Eastern start. Tomorrow, Chris Bassett, who has the best ERA on this Toronto Blue Jays team, a 3.03 earned run average. He has been absolutely phenomenal. We watched him just come off of that. I think it was 28 two-thirds innings of scoreless ball. Uh, Even last game, despite the fact he gave up six runs, only two of them were earned. So he has still been, if not the best pitcher on this team, there is an argument. uh, There's a pretty darn good argument that he's top two for sure. Okay, so Pablo Lopez, the big acquisition the Twins made with uh, the trade with Miami, sending Luis Arise over to the Marlins and Pablo's been good 3.90 ERA this year. And he is probably the pseudo ACE of the twins, Jose Barrios, former Minnesota twin taking the ball for Sunday. He is facing Bailey Ober. So can the blue Jays get the much needed series win in Minnesota? I sure freaking hope so. I am so ready for the bleeding to end just stop the bleeding everybody can we just get back to enjoying baseball i'm saying for all blue jays fans basically the brewers then is the team so then finally the jays have an off day the 17 game meat grinder i guess you will say it's so much worse than a meat grinder it, it just tore this team up Uh, is finally over. So the boys are going to be able to take an off day on Monday. And then they head to Milwaukee to play the Brewers Tuesday through Thursday. The Brewers, the NL Central leaders, but also not running away with that that NL Central. Also quite a weak division. The Central's just not great divisions. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. All the grounds crew members. Uh, Hopefully Adam Mack is back up and, and running for Sunday uh, at walk off podcast on Twitter, the walk off podcast on Instagram. If you are looking to join the discord, it is a happening place to be. We're pushing 300 members there. Feel free to just DM us and we'll send you the link and a tip of the hat to the Patreon. I hope you know you are all appreciated. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Cheers.